Gospel reading is from Luke 17, 11 to 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when they saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all the ten cleansed? Were all the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Really appreciate that. It is great to be back, truly. Uh, it's wonderful to have a job where, well, it's wonderful to have a job, period, but it's wonderful, wonderful to have a job that I looked forward to coming back to. And to return to see all of you, it is uh, truly a privilege to be uh, your pastor. And I'll be sharing a little bit more next week after the service about my sabbatical, the rationale for sabbatical, and I'd love and hopefully we'll hear uh, from you and how it's been uh, for you as a congregation and individuals during uh, the summer. So come back and stay after next week. And we're picking up uh, this week after a long time in Jeremiah and then uh, my absence. We're picking up in the parables and miracles and asking how do these stories share a vital picture of who Jesus is and what it's like to receive His healing? And how do we personally find that healing? Now, I've been a pastor long enough to know, and in fact, I've been a human long enough to know that a number of you this morning are experiencing very disordered lives. You're experiencing disappointment, maybe even trauma. There's pain that seems like it's just not going to go away. Whatever you do, it feels like it's going to eat you alive at times, and you don't know what to do about it. And we've all been there. And maybe that's your place this morning. That's part of your story where that pain is very acute for you. Or maybe there's a bitterness that's set, settled in and a hatred, perhaps, towards someone, and you know that it's twisting you and you don't recognize the person that you are, and yet you can't let go of it. You can't be done. You can't move beyond. And there's confusion, perhaps, because you look in the mirror and you don't like the person that you see. You wish you could be anyone else. You wish you could change. You don't know what part of that hope for change is valid and is positive, and what if it is just guilt and shame that you need to be done with? Well, there's good news in this passage and in the passages that we'll encounter because these are the people in these conditions who flocked to Jesus. 
And thankfully, someone thought, or we would say was inspired to write these stories down, write about his healings, to take note as he was sharing a parable so that in our disenfranchisement, in our disillusionment, we could too walk towards Jesus. We could find good news and find bearing for healing in His message. Now, as I said, you're not alone. And we see in these stories people who were suffering a tremendous amount of pain. Lepers in Jesus' day could not have been more distressed, more disenfranchised, more alienated. Their suffering was very visible, and it was very contagious, and it was very, very public. They couldn't hide it. And there's all sorts of regulations that were in place for people that lived with leprosy. They had to live somewhere else in the proverbial leper colony. And they also had to announce their presence very loudly so that no one would accidentally encounter them and get this disease. And it was understandable in that day and age when medicine was so primitive. But they had to come into the town and yell loudly that they were unclean. And no one could cross that boundary. No one was willing to cross that boundary to walk over to them and say, how are you? What's your story? Is there anything I can do to help you? And can you imagine how isolating that social isolation would be, how crushing and numbing that constant social distance would be? But you see, apparently they hear about this young rabbi, Jesus, and apparently they've heard stories about him that he doesn't respect those boundaries, that he crosses boundaries, moral boundaries, legal boundaries, social boundaries religious, ethnic boundaries, and they think maybe He won't reject us. Maybe He will receive us. And imagine that if a holy man would receive us. Well, they come to Him with these words, Jesus, Master, have pity. And I don't think it's too much of a stretch to read a certain sense of desperation In these words, perhaps they've come to some supposed healers before, and nothing has happened. And so they're desperate. Jesus, have pity. But here, this healer, this master turns to them, and he hears them, and he sees them. And then he responds in a little bit of a weird way, because he doesn't do what they want immediately. He doesn't heal them immediately, but he says, go to the priests, and that's a little bit odd. Why would he do that? Why would he say that? Well, the priests were the only way out of this social quarantine. They were sort of the medical examiners. They gave the visa stamp to re-enter the normal mainstream society. Now, often our struggle when we're struggling is that we compound the pain in our lives by keeping it secret. 
And sometimes this hiding of our pain, of our struggle, this harboring of our failure, of our sin, it makes us sicker than the thing that we're actually trying to hide. And I think Jesus knows this. And so he makes being restored to the religious community go to the priests, part of their healing, part of becoming well again. Sometimes our reluctance to verbalize what's really going on, to share who we are, to let others in, it's just fear, right? That what will they think if I'm honest? What will they think if they really know who I am? What if my problem becomes a burden to them or to this community? Do I really want other people to know these things about me? And while ultimately we need to work on moving beyond that, that fear is justifiable because humans are rather mean. Our primate cousins might throw feces at one another to show their disapproval, and we are more sophisticated. We would never do that. That's kind of gross. But what do we hurl? We hurl psychological, spiritual, emotional abuse at people. And friends, I think that you would agree that churches are not only not immune to this, sometimes we are the most unsafe communities to come out, as it were, to be honest, to say what we're really thinking, to be an unfinished, in-progress human is sometimes a very uncomfortable thing to be in the church. And the carnage is so well documented in our social media world that it's a wonder that anyone is left in our pews. So thank you for showing up this morning. (laughs) And I mean that because it takes courage to actually come into the community. Sometimes it's a reluctance of fear, sometimes justifiable. And sometimes it's a reluctance of faith to let others in, to let the community in, to begin to believe that Jesus means what He says because we don't believe that if we put ourselves out there that He's going to show up, at least not show up in the way that we want Him to. Will His comfort be substantial? Will it be full? Can He heal our broken hearts in the way that we want Him to? Well, Jesus does something interesting here. He tells them, as I said, to go to the priest. He puts them on the move before He heals them. He asks them to take a step. And when we're facing difficulty, Jesus hears us, and He sees us, but He also puts us on the move. He puts us on the march. Go to the priests. Go to the people of God. As scary as that might be, and as it a appropriate as it might be to take certain caution because not everyone is safe and not every church is safe. And sometimes we need to take a little step of being honest with just a select few of people to gauge, are they safe? And to allow them to receive us and then to broaden that information, to broaden that relationship, to be real in a larger space, a larger community. 
he gives us a couple of hints to how to push against that reluctance of fear. And one is that we need to remember that Jesus' gospel, it says that we all are in need of help. We all need healing. And the thing is, it's the people who don't recognize that who most need healing. The people that you share your pain with and share your struggles with and say, oh my, (laughs) the people that are made uncomfortable by you being an in-process human are the people that most need healing and that most misunderstand the gospel. And there's some sort of strange cold comfort in that to realize that it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about the fact that they don't fully understand the gospel that says we're all in this same sad, tragic boat of sinful people who don't have it all together. And someone's rejection to you in your moment of honesty betrays the notion that they don't believe that. And sometimes part of our healing is that we have to hold space for that person. We have to allow them to mature and to move into a place where they can understand and appropriate the gospel on our behalf. And sometimes, friends, the the church isn't ready. Churches aren't ready. And when you open up, when you come in from the outside and you don't have the pedigree, then you receive judgment rather than empathy. Well, I think Jesus is sort of playing three-dimensional chess here, chess, in telling them to go to the priest. He's telling them to go to the synagogue, to go to the religious community, the analog of what we're doing here this morning. Because you see, what Jesus knows is that it's not only the lepers who need healing, but it's this religious community that needs healing. Because you see, Jesus didn't need the priest to actuate this healing. These priests, you see, needed to confront the fact that they've been party to a system of religious exclusion and prejudice, and that part of the thing that has kept these people so unwell is their exclusion from the place that should be the place that receives them, the only place that would receive them and love them and care for them. They need to see, that is, these priests, the synagogue, in our modern context, the church, we need to see what we would consider the despicables, the deplorables, if you will, the lepers in our minds. We need to see them coming into the church and finding healing in order for us to finally get the gospel for ourselves and for us to finally understand what Jesus came to do in the community that he wanted to create. Answering the reluctance of faith is a little bit different because it's not often, it's not always, that we think Jesus is incapable of healing, that he doesn't have the power. Maybe that's your issue, but if you're here and you're looking and the church seems to represent some place of truth for you, it's likely that you don't think that Jesus is incapable of hearing. It's just that we don't know if he'll choose to. We don't know if he will. And it's true that we live in a 
deeply dysfunctional world where everything that we wish was true is not yet true. And the total and the final healing that Jesus talks so much about and that these healings are meant to point to, these things aren't present yet in their world or in ours. But we do see in this passage two brief hints at relief, pushing against that reluctance of faith. And one, we see that a lack of an immediate healing, a lack of an immediate solution is not because Jesus is not listening. It's not because He doesn't see. It's not because He is callous. No matter where you're coming from this morning, no matter what your belief system is or lack of belief system, no matter what your secrets are, and we all have them, no matter what boundaries you stand behind that prevent you from healing, Jesus will hear you. Jesus sees you. He sees you behind those boundaries, just as He saw those lepers beyond and behind that external disease that was so very public. He will look at you. And secondly, He responds with mercy. He responds with kindness. We know nothing about these ten lepers, their previous religious leanings. seems one was a Samaritan, which we'll talk about next week. But we read that Jesus answers them. He doesn't turn them away. He grants them kindness, and He gives them mercy. And friends, whatever Jesus' circumstantial response might be to your suffering and what you're going through at the moment, His relational response will always, always be mercy. It will always be kindness. The Son of God came into our world to take on our burdens, to take on our leprosy, to take on our emotional scars, and to take on your broken heart and to internalize it as if it's His own. Ever since those sores and those lesions had started to appear, can you imagine in those times where there was no hope of medical intervention? It was a social death uh, sentence. Can you imagine what that would feel like when you saw the first one? From that moment when they started to make their appearance, they were marked for exclusion. They were marked for isolation. They were marked for removal from the temple. If they were religious, they couldn't go anymore. They weren't people with parents, people with jobs. They weren't people with possessions and hurts and feelings. They weren't people with goals in life. They weren't people with a story. They were people with a disease. In fact, they simply were a diseased element of society that had to be cordoned off in these colonies. But Jesus looks through the disease, and He sees a person. He sees a human. He sees someone, maybe like you, who's hurting, who's maybe traumatized, who's lonely, and He has compassion, and He welcomes them into His healing presence. 
the tenth leper comes back loudly praising God, throwing himself at Jesus' feet because, friends, he's probably thinking, hopefully what you're thinking now, what if this is what God is like? What if this is really what God is like? If he is, well, then we're through the looking glass. Up is down, black is white, and time moves backwards. No one had ever thought about this before. Everyone rejects these people except God? What if God is like that? I invite you, friends, to consider that because I believe He is. And I believe that if you come to Him, you will receive not scorn and not shame and not exclusion, but you will receive compassion. And I invite you to come to this table to feed upon that compassion and to see that, in fact, that's exactly what God is like. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would invade our lives, invade our thinking, invade our church with hope that is based upon the fact that this is what you are like, that Jesus is what you are like. And I pray that as we are tempted to see you with an upturned brow with scorn, with disapproval, with disappointment, I pray that we would see Jesus receiving these lepers, receiving their worship and healing them, not only physically, but at least in this one person's situation, healing them emotionally, spiritually, socially. And I pray more and more that we would experience that in our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen.